0: Christmas time has come and gone and with it the Chicago Bears picked up yet another victory over the Arizona Cardinals. Nick and I will take you through everything about that game as well as the upcoming Atlanta game in a fusion pod as we stuff together everything to do with this holiday season on this latest episode of Bear With Us. What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to Bear With Us, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, editor in chief of the Bears blog, right here alongside my co host, Nick Whalen of Football Guys. And, Nick, Thank you so much for being patient with me. It was my mom's birthday yesterday, the 26th. Before that, it's the Christmas season. My wife gets COVID right on the back end of it. Blah, blah, blah. Excuses. But all this to say, I wanted to do a post game pod. But what a funny game to do a post game pod about. Because let me just hit you with an opening zinger question did that game leave you feeling any different about the 2023 Chicago bears? Cause I couldn't have wrapped up the entire story of this bears season in one game, any better than what the bears did last Sunday. You know what I mean?
1: I mean, to kind of quote uh, another Cardinal here, uh, Danny green is, uh, you know, they are who we thought they were. Amen. I mean, that's that, everything. I mean, cause you talked about your messy holiday season Uh, The second midway through the second quarter and on is it basically the Bears like sometimes good, sometimes bad. We don't know what what we're good at, what we're bad at. I mean, it was just a whole lot of mess. Oh,
0: my gosh. So much mess. And yet I'll tell you what, that defense. They're playing well. That offensive line, man, they had some moments. The run game got popping again, though. Mm -hmm. I, I made this joke on Twitter, so I'm reusing it. You know things are bad for you on the defensive side of the ball when Robert Tanyan, Cody Whitehair, and Lucas Patrick are grading the road on you. Like, there's a piece of this, Nick, where it's like, yeah, it's great to have a matchup advantage. It helps when you're playing one of the worst defenses in ball, but... You can only play the team in front of you. So yep. I, I want to try to look at it from both perspectives, right? Because it's not easy in the NFL under any circumstances to score three touchdowns in four drives. It's also never a good sign when you score three points the rest of the way. Your quarterback passes for 30 yards on 10 attempts through the or in the entire second half. And none of it's just one person's issue. I mean, maybe, Nick, yep. we start with a little bit of philosophy here. Right. Because I see this all the time where everybody wants to make it a one person issue, don't we? Because fans want it to be. This is the problem <clears throat> so that mm-hmm. we can fix the problem and then we can go in the Super Bowl. And this is just way harder than that. I mean, yeah. well, for, I, I have an yeah. example
1: for you if you want to use it here. Let's go is is I broke down Justin Fields interception on Twitter. I made a little video of the, the TV replay that we had because we talked about the all 22 didn't come out on time. And so I I contributed that interception to three different people. And the comments are like, no, nah, it's this person. No, nah, it's this one. Like it's everything's a combination. And that interception, if you guys want to go back and rewatch it, it's a combination of Khalil Herbert ran that route way too shallow mainly because Claude Herbert doesn't run deep routes often, so he's probably really excited. This play's designed for me because people talk. They're like, DJ Moore's open. He's a runoff. It's not designed for him. D- Herbert's open, but he runs it shallow. Fields anticipate, throws it er, throws it early, right? And then Herbert doesn't look for it, then looks for it, then doesn't look for it, and the guy picks it off. The guy made a good play. Don't get me wrong. So oh, yeah, Fields could have threw a better ball. I don't think it was a terrible ball. Could have threw a better ball, um, anticipated Herbert ran it shallow, but also Robert, why is Khalil Herbert of all the running backs of the roster running the deep route?
0: What's your other choice? Travis Homer, like Roshan John Johnson, Roshan Ro's Ro's Johnson. Ro's John? Ro, so Roshan John Johnson, I hear you on, but Roshan's not as fast as Khalil Herbert. And on that, like running back end zone route, you're looking for one of your quicker guys to just zip out there, zip out the front of the, what the line and just jet for the back pylon. It's, It's so funny looking at this, Nick, because before we get into a little bit more nitty-gritty, talking about what we see wrong with the offense, because we're Bears fans, we're cursed to be obsessed with talking about the offense's problems, Mm -hmm. rather than talking about the defense's success, right? It's just how it goes. It's so funny, because... Uh, So many people will never talk about the fact that for all we know, Nick, Luke Getzey, killer coach, Justin Fields, killer quarterback. And it's like the receiver coach that cannot get details right. Or it's Chris Morgan and the way that he tried to bake in the run game, but they had to scrap something because they found out that everything was pinned off of like all all their best concepts were. Uh, running off of a specific block that got illegalized and nobody picked it up until like they started the season, got caught for a couple holds. I mean, I remember, just to use a silly example, back in 2021, if you remember, (laughs) Charles Leno got dinged for like three holds right out the gate in the first two games because he hadn't realized that the lobster block had immediately become illegal and Mm -hmm. he got caught doing it. Three times in two games or so, and then immediately cleaned it up and had a relatively penalty-free back half of the season. But it's so funny how detailed all this stuff can get, where if you really dig super-duper deep into it, man, this is like 11—no, it's not. It's like, what do you think? About 15 starters, just on the offense, and probably 10 professional coaches— all putting their heads together to put a product on the field. And yep. the fact that it's not good enough does not mean it's just one person's issue, I no matter know. how you slice
1: it. Yeah. And
0: as much as I'd love it to be a simple fix, it's not.
1: <laughs> no. Well, like, I mean, you you watch this. I mean, we look at, you know, a big run by Justin Fields. It's a hold. We can call it whether it was a hold or not. That takes away 33 yards. You know, penalties. And it's not just one guy. It's one guy here, one guy there. Nate Davis gets beat inside. And then Third in short, and you know you could debate the play call all you want, but if Robert Tunyon, I don't know, even wants to block the guy, I think Roshan Johnson gets it. Mm-hmm. But Robert Tunyon just runs past the guy, kind of looks around, and then Roshan Johnson gets stuffed, and the drive doesn't continue. Like, like, like that would have ended up in points. That drive, the in- field's interception ended in points, and we all would have felt good about it. But oh, no, yeah. now we're here just questioning everything. But again, a win's a win. We won a game. We're we're, we're at six wins, Robert. Yes, and. Seven and a half was the over under. So we're literally
0: about where people thought we were going to be. The problem that I am having right now, I want to put a voice to si- trying to see if I can thread the needle, Nick, between explaining any pessimism while still being optimistic is when you and I predicted, when I tried to predict a seven and 10 season coming into this season, I was doing so on the assumption that one of Nate Davis, Cody Whitehair, Tetvin Jenkins, not one of, probably three of, Nate Davis, Cody Whitehair, Tevin Jenkins, uh, Darnell Wright, and Braxton Jones, three of them were going to be mid to bad. Instead, one of them has been. And while Lucas Patrick has been woeful, Nate Davis, even being bad, has been controllably bad, NFL normal bad. If you will, even, and it's about time we talk about that. It's a bummer. Obviously, there's a lot of circumstances between two injuries, uh, uh, including a high ankle sprain, never easy to heal from, and the death of his mother, for crying out loud, like, give the guy a break but we get beat a little too often in pass Mm -hmm. pro way too Mm -hmm. quickly so we could talk about both but i expected we'd have more problems on the offensive line man i expected especially given how poor claypool was that we would have more problems with the receiver room because i didn't think that dj moore and cole comet would surge the way that they have i have been so high On so many pieces of this roster, not to mention the defensive side of the ball, where did you think... I I loved Jalen Johnson coming into this season. I didn't think he had this in him. Did you?
1: No, no, not at all.
0: No. So so Jalen's playing like one of the best in ball. We didn't see the sweat trade coming, which has catalyzed all kinds of defensive change and changed a ton of the calculus on defense. But if you're feeling like I do, Nick, I keep going back and saying... Man, if I had known that the players would play like this against this schedule, I would have picked way more wins and we would have been right. I mean, if the Bears don't fumble away three games where they had multi score leads in the fourth quarter, they're nine and six right now. Mm -hmm. And that gap, it's really hard to look at the team, in my opinion, and not see that gap before we talk about a Buccaneers game that was there for the taking, before we talk about a Saints game where they had not one. Not two. I'd be cool with three, but they had four chances to drive for a score to at least push that game into into further reaches of wherever it was going to go.
1: Right. Well, that, that that first Minnesota game too. Yeah, <laughs> it's. I mean, it's that's right
0: them. there. It's yep. it's right there. And so you sit here looking at this Bears team and you say, "Well, Nick, the worst part is is that the team wouldn't be any better if they'd won all those games. The team is as good as the team is good right now." I'm not trying to get too proverbial, right? No, I get it. Yeah. But their win loss record, they could look like the paperiest paper tiger possible. And I would do that with a smile on my face. Cause they really could be, it's very reasonable for this team to be a 10 win team. Had they had just a couple key coaching changes and made a couple more plays throughout a litany of games. And if there is one thing that's starting to bother me, I want to, I want to start here, Nick, why does it feel like in a lot of these winnable games, you get this like late Justin Fields turnover? Why can't it come any earlier? Why does it seem as if Justin Fields turnovers only seem like they happen late in tight games? Like truly walk me through this one because the Khalil Herbert interception was one of those. No, I mean, seriously, Justin, if you take three knees, we kick a field goal and this game is over. How does that happen? You know what I I mean? mean,
1: I mean, I think... I mean you gave me a lot there. Um I did. so I mean I think I think the other thing going into the season that I did not expect like I and mean, because there are some positives for sure, I didn't expect Darnell Mooney to basically be Tyler Scott Bayless Jones level production, uh effort, uh and how he played either. And you know, so like I think there's a lot of things that are like positive and negative which are just right. kind of going to all this equation. Um but I think that interception, if I'm being honest, I think part of that was without Kemet, which we'll have to talk about, without D.J. Moore, which I'll give him credit for, coming back onto the field and playing through Got whatever it. that is, gotten that out. I think they're like, okay, we have to dial up something. And it, it it was not a bad play call. I mean, honestly, it wasn't designed for man coverage. That's part of the problem. It was designed for zone because it's it's a – a, a smash concept you're high lowing the flat defender within man you just run crossers and be easier um which still was not bad there but field stared it down because there's a shot play and that's not on him i don't think but um i think they're like okay we got to take a shot and we have to manufacture something because mooney's not getting open on his own bayless you know it's not going to come down with something deep so i think they manufactured i think they kind of got bored if i'm being honest and justin just ran so like we can't run him again um I think one of the coolest parts of this game is we saw little flashes of last year when Justin said, all right, screw it. I'm going to run hard vertically up the field because they need me to. And he broke tackles and made plays. He did it twice. And we haven't seen it all year. He's been like, don't get injured, you know, get down. But he did it twice where he made big plays. One of them came back from the uh, penalty. And you're like, that guy's in there. Now, I know how you are, Robert. You don't want him to get hit or do uh, that. But wh- when wh- you have this superpower, I'll call it, that's that's one of his best traits is when he can get vertical, he looks more explosive than Herbert or probably anyone on our roster running vertically with the football in his hands. And now he starts to do it. You're like, man, what, what if this guy did this all year? You were talking about the games you could win. If he's like, you know what? I'll run through this arm tackle or I'll see if I can get through this mm-hmm. small crease. That could be a whole different season too.
0: So one thing speaking of, by the way, Nick, cause let's, I, I, I have a bunch of thoughts. I'm trying to put them together. First of all, have you ever had a friend of yours that tells you they're good at something and slowly, but surely you find out they are not that good at that. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Like uh, you got a story. You want to tell a story?
1: I don't have enough time, yet, but I know this has happened multiple times. Okay, good.
0: Uh, in Justin Fields' passing game, I am becoming unconvinced that he knows what he's good at at the NFL level. Now, that's not me trying to criticize Fields explicitly, because mm-hmm. this is actually more of the coach's job to know what his player can and can't do. But it feels to me when I watch this passing game, like Fields has told them that, hey, I'm going to throw that, and then he doesn't do it in games because we see and i know you haven't got the chance to watch the all 22 you'll see a couple examples of this of deeper throws that are open especially deeper like hooks and deeper timing routes where the throw is there but by the time it is resolved and Fields sees it's open the window to throw it is closed and so we're not throwing the ball right mm-hmm. and so part of me looks at this and thinks Field justin fields as a quarterback is reaching critical mass a little bit where i don't want to run him nick but he, that's what he's best at right now, like clear best at. I mean, there's a point where I don't know how you convince your receivers to do this, but there's a point where you need to start just calling all verts quarterback run. Like, just line up and empty, send everybody deep, and the deliberate intent is for Fields to run the ball here. And if anything, if they leave a spy, then the running back's gonna play a two man game with him so that you can dump it off to the back instead, yep. and and just call it a play. Now I think your receivers would kind of of getting your ear about that if you sent them sprinting down the field just to deliberately never throw them the ball Well, but they,
1: they only have to do that for like 10 15 yards that's what jog
0: exactly but it, not to mention nick i just what what frustrates me is seeing this offense seem as if it is at each other's throats Maybe not literally, maybe not openly at times, though we saw straight up frustration from like Justin Fields to Luke Getzi seemed as if there might have been some frustration. Luke Getzi back like they they seem as if they are arguing over what their identity is. And what I think is frustrating, Nick, is that when you go through and you look at, hey, these are the plays where Justin Fields has made magic. Right? You look at the long scramble that came off of a hold because the Bears tried to protect for five seconds and it turns out you're not going to do that reliably. Right? Or some of the other long scrambles we've seen, or the Khalil Herbert touchdown in the Denver game where he played one on one with the guy on the end and then ultimately threaded the ball to Khalil. The biggest problem, if you're seeing what I'm seeing, Nick, is that there is not a clear and easy path to getting Justin into magic mode. It kind of happens randomly.
1: Right, because well, it, it, but yeah. I mean, as you're talking about like the base of the offense, the OC doesn't trust Justin. Justin doesn't trust the OC. Amen. That's where we're at right now. It's a huge issue.
0: Yep. Like that's one of those tectonic plate, like foundational massive crack, like in everything. Because well, and,
1: it, and it, it's easy to see because in the second half gets he gets super conservative and he's done this for many games it's cost us mm-hmm. wins it's made games closer you can see he gets conservative mm-hmm. and when we do take plays like in cleveland right it was a first down we did the play action the deep play action shot is what it was going to be and that's when uh jock came off the edge and beat blasting game oh my it's like okay if we're going to do this it's going to be this big magical big pass play it's not like hey, let's run another five-yard hitch to DJ Moore, which was open the whole game. Last game, probably any game. But like, we don't consistently stay with that. No. Even if it's, and he likes it when it's the the only the flanker and trips the other way or something like that, where it's just right. the one that's an easy read. We don't do that that often. And it's like, I can see that, you can see that. But like, if they're not on the same page and they're not vibing, like, what are we doing here? And God forbid a
0: play call work because the moment it works, we can't use it again. And oh, I, I mean, one of my favorite, the worst part about this Bears offense is that there are some unique and neat designs that get mixed in here. I mean, mm-hmm. the Bears at one point in the middle of the game go five wide, right? The, the Cardinals counter putting four on the line and absolutely nobody in the linebacker area. And so Justin Fields and uh, Khalil Herbert, they run zone read and they're just reading where the guy, the only guy in the middle of the field, the only guy with 20 yards of coverage left and right. Does he go left? Well, then I'll I'll keep the ball. Does he go right? I don't have to play, right.
1: That's when everyone came up the field and fields like ran. It looked awkward. But he's like, it's open. It, it was right there. Good coaching. Good design. Now, Take now, now what's given. Because that one, I, I feel like that was more Justin. Just I'm going to do this because there's an opening over there. You wonder in the meeting rooms when he's like, you know what, dude, I'm going to do what I do. Like, you wonder how much it's this in the meeting rooms. Like, mm-hmm. they're not getting along for people that aren't watching me. Like. Oil and water, literally, like maybe they're not happy about that. But he's like, Bro, I got to get first downs and I got to do this because the stuff you're giving me isn't working. And he's like, The stuff I'm giving you will work. Right. And we've seen him pass on guys that are open, right? Like, like Robert, I saw you posted one of DJ Moore running an out, right? And DJ Moore is yep. open. The sprint out. I, but I would say, too, when he, it's a again, it's a rollout, which sometimes I like rollouts, right? Because he's athletic but it also limits the field. It yes. makes the coverage rotate. Yep. And, but when he's rolling, there's a guy that comes up the field too. And I'm like, well, he probably wants to get outside that guy before he looks. And then when he does, when he looks, I don't think he's as open. It's a oh, tougher yeah. layer. You, throw. you have to throw it before
0: you breach the OT. It's part of why I put a uh, right. posted it because to be honest with you, Nick, there's better examples. Okay. So I'm going to be very direct here, Nick. There's better examples of Fields just staring down reeds that are open and he doesn't throw it. But why post those right now? Like that's the kind of stuff that you're going to get on the all 22 stream that I talked through because to not talk through them, to leave those for people to just quote tweet or, you know, steal the video and do the like tweet via thing. Like, honestly, what's the point? If I'm going to post it, it's going to be something that's fuzzy because it shows just how difficult football is. And the worst part is, man. Once we get into this phase where we've now stripped our quarterback from uh, away from the benefit of the doubt, now we suddenly start making up plays that are actually pretty inhuman if the quarterback was going to be able to make it. Do you remember – oh, gosh, I'm going to take you down memory lane. Do you remember how many people on Twitter wanted to kill Fields for the Washington game last year when – uh, was it David Montgomery was wide open on the backside of a pick a side read and fields didn't pick that side at all. And everybody went Demos wide open. And it was like, yeah, oh, neat. That's not, part, that's not, not how the ball read. works. Like nope. it's, it's such a difficult position. You need your coaching to help you out. I don't know if fields has played at a high enough level to where if Ryan pulls, it just loves Caleb Williams or Drake may, that right. he's done enough to make polls stick with him, but we keep making him out to be – there are people that want him to be the 32nd or 35th worst quarterback in the NFL. There he's are people not. that want him to be the 12th best quarterback in the NFL, he's and not. he's closer <laughs> to 20th right now. And he's in the middle. it's just kind of a – it's an icky number. Right? Because it's like, oh, we're so close to being pretty good, and we're yeah. we're not that far away from being right. pretty bad right <laughs> and,
1: that's, and that's probably the worst area to be. like that's the one thing you wanted this year. You wanted a clear, definitive answer right, either way on fields, either way on the team, and we're not getting that. i I actually have a, a question for you before I get mm-hmm. into something else, and this is this is I mean, because i'm I'm not gonna be watching your stream, Robert tonight. Sorry, you don't have to. It's so, too long. So I gotta ask you, okay. Uh-huh. I, and this is from the TV copy that I saw. Yes. There was a third down, I think, when he threw to the right to Mooney, where Bayless Jones was running uh, across crosser behind the linebackers. Mm-hmm. Was 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 Bayless wide open? It looked like he was wide up on the TV copy.
0: Man, what, do you know
1: what quarter this was? I don't. Well, okay. when you do the stream tonight, you can then let me know. I'll,
0: I'll let you know. But most of the ones where he actually threw to Mooney seemed like a designated Mooney shot where you're not even going to look at Valus in that case. And not to mention to something that you've talked about. Look, I love Darnell Mooney at times. He does not look like he's trying all that hard. And, and I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I really hate bringing that stuff up. I'm a five, five guy sitting in a chair talking about this into a microphone. Like God knows I'm not on the football field, but man, I know Mooney can play better than this. You right. know Mooney can play better than this. Something's going on.
1: Well, okay, let's get into that a little bit. Something interesting that popped in the injury report today. Not sure if you saw this, Robert. Darno Mooney self-disclosed or self-reported uh-huh. whatever concussion, and so he did not practice today oh, with man. a concussion. So that's, again, y'all, that might explain part of this last game. I don't know why you wouldn't report that during the game, but you could get symptoms after the game. I get it. He's had a whole season of being a I would just basically say sleepwalking through the year and not coming back to footballs, not fighting contested areas, not being on the same page with Fields. Sometimes Fields is wrong too. I'm not. This isn't all Mooney, but, but Darno Mooney's not playing anywhere close to the 1,000 yard receiver we saw two years ago or the guy making contested awesome receptions last year.
0: Well, I think it's funny you say that, Nick, if only because I've seen that there are so many Madden keeps trying to make receivers like a four or five trait position. And there are so many more traits than that. Like, for instance, I think Darnell Mooney is an exceptional separator, but he has never been one to fight for the ball. If you don't place the ball well to Darnell Mooney, you don't get a completion Like, he'll get open a lot. But think about that 1,000-yard season. Think about when Andy Dalton, Nick Foles, et cetera, were throwing the ball to him. They would just hit him in stride. I mean, there was no real other choice, right? And if they didn't, he would he would be basically wide open while he caught the ball. The only time I could think of where Mooney really caught a, a relatively uncontested ball was that like fifty five some odd yard bomb that Mitch threw, rolling left, where Mooney like really reached back for that one. But beyond that, it's just never been who he is, right? Mm-hmm. Let's put it this way, Nick: uh, good separator, small catch radius. Right. Yeah. Like it, yeah. it can't be that difficult to catch or Mooney's just not gonna bring it in. And yeah. I can't help but think to me, it feels like Darnell Mooney started the year. I thought he was playing really well. The whole disrespect and everybody stuff that he talked about on a podcast, he was open over the middle of the field and did not get thrown to quite often. Now, he didn't need to, because DJ Moore has been just like T.Y. Hilton, always open. I mean, the guy's on pace for 1,400 yards or whatever it is. Like, that doesn't happen on accident. So, there's plenty of Mooney getting open that was wasted effort for, with good intentions, right? Because he was read number two, read number one was open. Sorry, Darnell, you're not getting the ball, right? But since then, it almost feels as if Nick, he has not worn what's happened with him in the offense well. Like, for all we know, I'm gonna speculate with a tin foil hat. Bears listeners, if you don't like my tin foil hat stuff, plug your ears. Part of me wonders, Nick, whether Darnell is suddenly, like, looking back at the early part of his career and what happened with Allen Robinson and what's happening with Jalen Johnson right now and whether he's just sour about the situation that's happening around him. I mean, let's not forget that Allen Robinson acted as if he was convinced that he was getting written out of the offense. Like, you don't do that. When you've got a talented receiver on your roster, coaches don't have the security to just not use a player, right? And so a part of me wonders if we had Darnell on the podcast and gave him truth serum, what wild thing would he potentially tell us? Yeah. right well, I mean, but the, the regards, other parts
1: okay like even if he's jealous of DJ Moore cuz he's the one getting the the best looks or the first looks or the designs of the offense or or he's mad cuz he didn't get paid the last offseason that could be part of it too bro you're a free agent after the end of the year like like oh, this yeah. is when you have to ball out and you have to block when it's tough for you to block i know you're small or you have to fight I mean, like we could go back through his career and look at so many receptions, the Washington game last year where he literally could have won the game, could have won won the game, win the game. And and honestly, Robert, if you want to break it down to one thing this year, one thing we definitively know Darnell Mooney is not a wide receiver two in the NFL, and he won't be on the bears next year.
0: Oh, I mean, we're there at this point. I can't help but think, look, wide receiver two has a funky definition. Right. But as wide receiver talent in the NFL gets better, your wide receiver two needs to be closer to George Pickens Tyler Lockett than it does Jacoby Myers. And yet I tend to think that Darnell Mooney could find some Jacoby Myers ism if he's on a quarterback that spreads the ball around a little bit more. Cause I do think Fields likes his guys. But that's that may be as much a separate thing. Cause right now, wide or white right now, Mooney is a wide receiver three. Inside his own offense. Like, maybe he's a wide receiver, too, but Cole Kmet's the second option, and he's looking like it.
1: How how about this for a debate, okay? You have to roll with Tyler Scott or Valus Jones being your wide receiver, too-ish, in an offense, whatever you want to call that, right? Okay. Or it has to be Darnell Mooney. You have to pay him $12 million a year.
0: Well... Um, if you were going to get, if you were going to give me full control, I think I'm right now, vaylus coked up enough to where I would take vaylus and I would try to use him as like an H back that kind of blends as a tight end. And I would pick him, but I wouldn't really use him as a receiver. If I, that makes I, sense. I love this. You're
1: you're on my train now of like, <laughs> of like pro vaylus talk, which I'm good with because oh, yeah. there's things he does. And I'm like, I like this, it but is- again. Coaches thinking players, not plays. Like, okay, what can we do? Bayless and that will be successful. Like, that's what we need to do. But anyways, we're, but we're in agreement with Dana Mooney. You sure. nailed this though. The players, not
0: plays thing. Let's yep. circle all the way back to where we started. The biggest problem that the bears have is that when their players are not healthy, they have no plays. Like they, they did not have options. Once Cole Komet. And DJ or DJ Moore weren't healthy enough to be the best versions of themselves. And at that Mm -hmm. point, the offense, the worst part is, is that on the broadcast copy, it's going to look like it became a Justin go do something offense. As Nate Tice would say, Justin made it a Justin go do something offense. It's not even that there were plays to be made, Nick. It's that there were plays that were attempted right? And we you've seen it. I mean, the Bears try to run crossers, but Fields doesn't want to hit the first, second, or third window sometimes, so then they abandon doing the crossers, right? And then they call a bunch of timing routes, but Fields doesn't want to throw to Valus Jones, who's running an open button hook over the middle, so we abandon doing the timing routes, right? So instead, we just get a bunch of slot fades into honey holes that we don't want to throw either, and it's Mm -hmm. honestly, Nick, some gross ball. Like oh, yeah. by the end of it, you can see why Fields was screaming at Getsey because they looked like two people that were flat yeah. having an argument like, I mean, it's, I
1: mean, it's like it's like a lot of outs, a lot of corners. And it's like,
0: well, that's easy to guard if you know what's that's happening. It's it's so easy. And thank goodness that the running game was fun, uh, which yeah. there is a lot to talk about there, though. I don't know if I, we're going to take the time to do it.
1: I, I I got one quick thing here. So like if we're just talking about just receiver and we look at the injury report, there's also some other things I think that are interesting that's going to affect, you know, the game coming up in Atlanta, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about on this pod, too. So
0: in Chicago. <coughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, um, no worries. Equinemius St. Brown, the oldest of all of the St. Browns. He was a full participant today in practice with that pack. So oh. he comes back. You think then you don't have to waste Mooney or Scott blocking. Right. And some of those roles and that really could help out a lot. I know that sounds something small with the receiver, but in this offense, that could be big. So that's one thing. The other thing I thought was interesting besides Mooney being, you know, the concussion is I did not see DJ Moore on the injury report. I, does that surprise you though? Cause he that just surprised me.
0: He played in a whole game. The bears did this with Darnell Wright too. To me, Uh, I mean, this is me speculating, I guess, a little bit, but Darnell Wright didn't look like he could use his left shoulder properly until basically after the bye. But they took him off the injury report as early as the game after the Raiders game because they knew he was comfortable playing with it. So why bother listing it? Right. And so I, I don't know. Why they wanted to do that, I mean, I guess it's a staff preference, right? We've seen a staff in Matt Nagy who actively enjoyed listing everybody possible as questionable, just as a, quote, competitive advantage, end <laughs> quote,
1: right? Well, like, we're talking about the team here we're going to face in Atlanta this week where they didn't list Bijan that one game right where you had the headache and they didn't play and then they got fined so we're talking about basically (laughs) polar opposites of like listing guys like ah these guys are tough they'll play through it i i have one thing i gotta circle back to robert and this is again about fields and the passing game and the record because you you gave me a lot to start with there so i i gotta gotta come back into this one let's say those three games turn out differently right and and i think someone posted the if the if the one score games were flipped, Chicago would be, they have like, you know, nine or 10 wins or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. If, if they have nine wins right now mm-hmm. and, and everyone has played the same, but like, you know, the yes. defense didn't give up the scores. They're like, it's the same. Yes. How are the conversations about Justin Fields in Chicago? I
0: think they would have to be different. I mean, you, you heard me just a couple of weeks ago, basically saying if the bears ran the table. Right, if they beat a Browns team that they totally had the opportunity to beat, I mean, mm-hmm. it was right there for them. Uh, yeah. And then they beat this Cardinals team, and then they beat next week's. Or, uh, they beat next week's Falcons team, and then they beat a Packers team that only just barely escaped with a win against the worst Dude, team in football.
1: Everyone can pass on them right now. Tommy DeVito passed on everybody, them. Like, what are we
0: doing? Everybody. And what
1: you see, Jerry got suspended.
0: I did. And, and he earned it, too, <laughs> from yeah. what I saw. Like, okay. I can only imagine what the coaches were thinking when that happened. When it's like, oh, you just walked out on the field and thought you called a the coin toss? Like, yeah. that's not what I mean, we I,
1: do. Yeah, I, I know this is a, a, a Bears podcast, but this is not a tinfoil hat, but just a, a theory of mine. I'm not sure J.R. Alexander plays in Green Bay again.
0: I would be blown away if he doesn't play in the Bears game. Like, maybe that doesn't happen. But I would be very surprised if they won't do what they got to do to get him on the field for a divisional game against a team that they hate with playoffs on the line.
1: Well, I think they lose to Minnesota, and I'm not sure the playoffs are an option.
0: Minnesota doesn't seem like they can field a team right now. I mean, that's their biggest issue. Now, granted, they're letting anybody pass on them. So you're totally right that anything's possible. And they've got Jefferson, but losing Hawkins, it's got to really hurt for them.
1: And Addison went out. I'm not sure if he's going to play or not. But I'm just saying and then Minnesota's got that defense.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, but not to—we'll see. We'll see, anyway, like you're saying, because anyway. that one's a big swing game. Uh, but on that, I mean, if the Bears had made the playoffs, 9-8, and eight, I don't know, Nick, under any circumstances, if my field's stance was really going to change. Let's, let's say, better way to put this, that the last two games have happened almost exactly, almost exactly like they actually happened, except we got one play on special teams that flipped the game for the bears against the Browns. You know what I'm saying? Like, even like, like
1: they, they muffed it instead of Trent Taylor.
0: Exactly. Like something to where the bears win the game. Right. So within in that alternate world, it doesn't, I, I would tell you that it doesn't really matter what I think of fields. I don't think a playoff team is going to get rid of their quarterback. I mean, right. especially not the bears like George McCaskey has been waiting for the fans to resonate with a quarterback like the way, or like the Bears fans have resonated with Justin Fields. Now, speaking of George McCaskey, did you see the crowd in that Arizona game? No. As I understood it, it was like 20, 30,000 people. I mean, fact check me, Bears fan, but like nobody went. Now, maybe that's because it was Christmas Eve, cold Sack, but that hasn't yeah. stopped a lot of Bears fans before. So if Matt Eberflus is causing a lot of people to not show up to the stadium, I mean, there may be business decisions that stretch beyond just poor performance on the field. But despite the fact that sometimes that'll help make decisions, I don't, I don't actually know how much that's going to play into everything.
1: But are they going to pay Eberflus' last, what, two, three years of his salary too? That's a whole part of it. I mean, you have to, right? Well, I'm saying, but like, like pay that and a new coach, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's a money thing. And, Chicago well, doesn't typically do that. Do we want to talk about the defense or do we want to talk about Brad Biggs? Uh, well, so I, I have not read the report from Biggs. I saw the headline, so I would love to hear it. Mm-hmm.
0: I, I also saw the headline, but the gist that I got from what Brad Biggs was saying is these last two games are very, very important for Matt Eberflus' tenure within the Bears organization. I can understand why. Despite what even the most educated Bears fan wants to think about Matt Eberflus and the ways that they feel like he's let the team down, Nick, this Bears team can still make the playoffs. And as long as you can, you think you just might. That's how coaching works, right? And so Mm -hmm. until the moment where they are mathematically out you might be a little disappointed, but you're not fully there yet until the, the chips have fallen. Right. And so the gist that I got, another thing that they mentioned is that that green Bay game holds a lot of personal significance to the ownership, which Uh, every Bears fan. Yeah. Every Packers game. Come on. (laughs) Welcome to it. Right. But so the basic gist that I got from it, Nick is okay. So they lost to the Browns, obviously, Huge bummer. Run the table became, we did not run the table very quickly. They then beat a, uh, they beat a Arizona team that they should have beaten and they beat them quite soundly, which I think you and I expected. If anything, Nick uh, memory serves, they beat them by less than we thought they would. Yep. So exactly. yep. I'm not going to break out the disappointment word, but they <laughs> like the defense looked good. The offense had its moments and yeah. they won handily. Um. Biggs basically implied that Matt ultimate ultimately go-no-go no go is going to come down to what happens against Atlanta and against Green Bay. So, quick mm-hmm. question. First off, are you surprised?
1: Uh, I kind of am because, I mean, after, you know, the early season, right? Like, the Denver game happened, and then the Detroit game happened. And it's like, man, you got to, like, run it basically for, like, this to, you know, kind of happen or for him to keep his job, but then it happened again in Cleveland. So like, to me, like it's a pattern and I mean, the odds of them making the playoffs are so low right now. It's surprising, but I guess if I look at the schedule right now, which I am, I mean, the Detroit game and the Cleveland game, I mean, we both, I mean, everyone can agree. Chicago should have won those games. Let's say they're wins. Okay. Let's say that's six wins in a row. If they, if they went eight in a row to end the year, that's literally Dan Campbell and the Lions last year. Right. It is. And that's the biggest reason they aren't. <laughs> I mean, like, because, and again, you're playing good football. Again, it, bad teams. Like, we're gonna go through. You know, you wanna go to like tankathon and look at like the worst teams, right? Mm. Carolina beat them. Washington beat them. Uh, Arizona beat them. Like, we're beating some of the worst teams. Now, again, Minnesota, Detroit. I mean, if you would have swept Detroit, you talk about like flipping the states, nine and six, Yeah. That that was a statement game. Raiders, they're playing better now. At that time, they were bad. So like you beat a lot of bad teams too, so I get that. But winning in the NFL is tough. So let's say in theory, six in a row, or let's say they win these last two, six of your last eight, legitimately, that's that's tough to do in the NFL. So it's funny you say winning in the NFL is tough.
0: You're absolutely right. right. If you had to just go ahead and guesstimate for me, What you think, I'm going to put you on the spot. What do you think the score would be if the Buffalo Bills took on the Chicago Bears tomorrow? Let's make it a Sunday, just so you don't leave or put any weird Thursday magic in there. Where is the game? Uh, The game is going to be in a neutral site, just to really try to make this thing as honest as possible.
1: I think that Buffalo wins by... Six.
0: Okay. I like that. The, the basic argument that I'm trying to make is that while winning in the NFL is absolutely difficult, I do think that there is an element of this where it's like, yeah, but not every win counts. Every win counts the same as every other win inside of the standings, right? But also, you need statement wins to prove to your fans that ultimately you're not going to do what the Cowboys do, play the Niners and fold. Right. Like, it's great to beat the Giants. It's great to beat the Commanders. But what does it mean when you play a better team and get buzzsawed? Right. And if anything, that's been the best part about the best signal that we've gotten from these Chicago Bears is that when they have played teams like the Lions, they have played really well. If anything, maybe Chicago's just got Detroit's number. Because this has been over the last five, six years where Green Bay will give the Bears a better game than Green Bay has to offer anybody else all season. And Chicago will do the same to Detroit
1: <laughs> most of the time. Yeah. where I-, I wish it was flipped. I wish Chicago was doing that to Green Bay and not to right. Detroit.
0: Would you trade the Lions having our number to have the Packers number?
1: hundred oh, percent. Not even easy. Is yep. that just taking for granted
0: that we have the Lions number though?
1: <laughs> I, I yeah. I mean that's the thing is even Lions fans, and again, this is uh Lions won the division, you're in the playoffs. Congrats. It's from 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 a Bears fan, like I am happy for them. I yes. am a hundred percent happy for them. Like they went through so much of losing. Actually, I some uh my fiance, she is from Detroit area. No way. Um, I've been around Ford Field, like I mean it's it's a nice little area, but like dude, like they deserve to win something at some point, but let's let put that where that is division winner, you know, playoff team Chicago should have swept them. Like that tells you yes. a little bit about like where Chicago's at. And If you're at that level, like you're in every ball game, which they have what? been over the last half of the season and doing that to green Bay to end the year to put a little cherry on top like you're saying that could be like hey you know what fluce like we got this baby going Like let's let's run it back next year i can't help but think now
0: this is totally just robert schmitz's opinion how much does that matter it doesn't right but i can't help but think fluce has to win both of the last two yep. i mean i we're 6 and 8 or we're 6 and 9 right now i understand that we picked at the start of the year we said 7 wins would be an achievement but I think that all it takes is a pair of eyes and the time to watch all of the Bears games this season to see that this team is playing better than we thought it would. So the fact that they don't have the wins to match their play level starts to become a black mark, right? It starts to become, Nick, well, okay, seven wins just show, like, just leaves this phantom, should have been nine wins, like, on the table. I'm not even gonna say 10 let's say you blow one of those leads right maybe you blow two of those leads but now you beat tampa because remember at the critical moment all justin needed to do was tie the game and suddenly it's 20 to 20 going into right exactly the pick six happens and now it looks like you lost by 10 right but Mm -hmm. realistically even that game was down to the wire right and so I can't help but think that going or now taking on an Atlanta team that, man, can you get a read on these guys? Because I can't, especially because they keep changing quarterbacks and that keeps undermining their underlying metrics. <laughs> like,
1: yeah, it's it's pretty. So, okay. So Atlanta, right. I won't, I won't go through the injury report yet, but because I, I think we have to talk about what that team is. And I think it's a little surprising if people, like wanted to think like if you think of Atlanta, Robert, right now, mm-hmm. what do you think about with them? Like you're like, oh, these are the key parts of their team.
0: Massive. Oh, I, I thought you were gonna give me like a two-word game kind of thing. Cause I was gonna say massive no. disappointment.
1: Right? Well, no, but like, but like if you thought of them like, oh, this is their strength, what do you think of?
0: Uh believe it or not, I think it's it's their back seven on defense
1: and their weapons,
0: but their weapons aren't really shining for them right now. Like the the way that I would put this, Nick, all right, so I gonna hit you. You ever seen one of those uh, TV shows, right? Where there's this like shrouded antagonist and you don't know much about the antagonist. You just know that they're, they're the bad guy in the show and you yeah. come to find out it's a future version of the protagonist. You know what I mean? Like yeah. in the world where the bears pick <laughs> in the world where the bears load up weapons around Justin Fields and Justin Fields does not blossom for Chicago. Don't do this. The Atlanta Falcons. No, like no, and they'd need no. bad coaching.
1: Dude, like, he's he's not like Desmond Ritter.
0: I'm trying to make an extreme point. Okay, it would be better than this current Falcons. They Come don't even on. have a winning record, Nick. Come on, but no, it's more this idea of I think. I, do you agree with the following statements? Kyle Pitts is better than this.
1: Yes or oh, no? Than what he's producing.
0: Yes. Yes. Drake London is better than this.
1: Yes, Bijan Robinson is better than this. Oh yeah, yeah. But
0: but they aren't, right? Well, like well,
1: yeah, but but that's also something we got in Chicago right now. I would say would be coaching massive coaching problems well, for sure yeah. this this is
0: also just to be clear it's i i made it sound like it was all justin this is the route where they hire a first-time offensive coordinator like our or first-time offensive head coach like ben johnson and ben johnson turns out to not be very good alongside a major backsliding quarterback so this would be he's called plays before this would be the hell
1: scenario arthur um, smith had called plays hadn't he yeah i'm just i'm just Making fun of the Luke Getzey, like man, we might lose him. He might be a head coach. How funny Dude, that oh, was. Man, okay, remember that. all right, bring it back. So
0: defense, Jesse what? Bates, uh, yes. the yes. the corner that they've got, whose name escapes me. All of a sudden, like AJ <laughs> Terrell, AJ Terrell. Yeah. Like their their strength has been messing with people on the back seven because they've got what is it, Grady Jarrett, on the front side, who is quite good as a defensive tackle, but. <clears throat> that's what I've seen, man. I mean, it's right. not like they're the best defense ever either. Like they're kind of a messy team.
1: <laughs> all right. So here's, so again, you and you're going to be surprised here, Robert ready for the it. Strength of the Falcons team is their interior. Offensive line. And kind of the center of their defense. Like they are a team that you're going to be shocked at in terms of like, wow, they're going to grind some stuff out in the middle and we can't run at all on them. So to that point, their offensive line, in terms of again, guys, we reference PFF grading. Uh, I think it's just an easy neutral party. Right. They have the third best center in the NFL, the okay. best guard in the NFL, and then their other guard is Matthew Bergeron, who we all remember last year as a yes. tackle we thought Syracuse. about. Chicago. He's forty second, so he's not great, but it's not terrible. Not the Nate Davis is doing, and then Caleb McGarry. We thought about him in free agency. Twenty third, better blocking, run blocking, right tackle. And Jake Matthews is thirtieth. So, so the center of that is is real good, right? Mm-hmm. Then, we go to defense. They are the second best rush defense in the NFL. Second behind who? Uh, I'd have to go back and look. I Maybe thought you were going to say it was the Bears. Uh, <laughs> Bears aren't. Bears aren't one. No. Oh darn. <laughs> but um, but here's the shocking part. So like their edges are nothing, nothing. Bud Dupree, Lorenzo Carter, you guys remember a guy named Zach Harrison who we thought about getting from mm-hmm. Ohio State yeah. last year. You know, nothing special on the edge, but their, their interior. Grady Jarrett, who you talked about, mm-hmm. he's he's ranked 33rd. Also, a, a humongous human being, if you guys haven't seen him, Calais speech. Campbell is there. Yes. He He's like, for bears, he's like the Mercedes Lewis, but a D lineman. That's just like this huge, massive guy. You can never move, but just does everything right. It's a pro's pro doesn't talk much. Got this super deep voice. Like that's Calais camp. Okay? <laughs> He's 23rd. He, but neither of them are their best interior D lineman. It's David. I'm going to say it incorrectly. I think so. David anyamata from the saints, he is ranked seventh among all interior D linemen. So they have seventh, 23rd and 33rd, and then they have a backup, uh, Taquan Graham, Graham, who is 67th, he's just the backup that he rotates in there. So they have this interior lineman who they can't run on, right? So the second best run defense that makes everything difficult.
0: How are those guys as pass rushers?
1: Uh, I didn't look up their pass rush grading, but are this they, is overall. So I assume that should we assume that bad. they're
0: pretty good? Yeah, not bad. I would assume. Well, I've got I. I can imagine 62 things wrong with that if you get yeah. what I'm saying. Well,
1: Oh, I know. Yeah, we'll we'll get to that part, and then behind them, the linebackers—two guys I've never even heard of before. And me and you, Robert, we do this for a long time. So if you've heard of them, you let me know. Right. Their, their, their backup is Troy Anderson, who we heard of—the athletic uh-huh. guy, uh-huh. right? He's not starting. I don't think it is Nate Landman. He's ranked twentieth among all linebackers, and then Caden Ellis, who's ranked twenty seventh. Have you no. heard of them?
0: Mm-mm.
1: Wow. No, that's yeah, a,
0: that, that's one of those examples. Okay, so. <clears throat> I can't help but think, Nick, that that's one of those examples of uh, guys that are on a team that is not good enough to actually get anybody deep diving on it. Like they win a couple more games and then suddenly there's what <clears throat> there's like uh, Ted Yen or somebody writing, you know, the real heart and soul of the Atlanta Falcons. It's yeah. their defense story <laughs> yeah. about two linebackers you've never heard of that are running right, the, the no-namers. Like, exactly. Right. And then suddenly oh. the no-namers have a name, but instead everybody just wants to keep talking about Arthur Smith, quarterback, uh, Drake London, where on earth is my B. John Robinson anytime touchdown Arthur yep. Smith. Don't you do Kyle this Pitts. to me? Don't you do this to me? <laughs> like Kyle yep. Pitts on a milk carton. Like yep. everybody wants to keep talking about that, but like, like it sounds as if you and I are on the same frame of mind that the defense has been
1: quietly running the team. It's oh. just
0: a matter of what the offense can produce.
1: Yeah. Then Here, I'll, I'll finish this out, then I'll tell you about the defense. So um Jesse Bates, you talked about third best safety, free agent signing. He's been worked out great for them. AJ Terrell, we talked about 19th best corner. D Alford, we've heard of him before. 39th Jeff Okuda, our buddy down there in Detroit, chasing Justin Fields on that long run last he year. Okay? Him. <laughs> no. He's 110th. Yeah, no. Clark Phillips. Remember Clark Phillips? Yes, I do. Eighty sixth, so be, he's their slot corner. Um, so that's that's basically their their defense. Their other safeties ranked eighty sixth. Richie Richie Grant nothing, but their defense overall fifth in the NFL, tenth in pressure percentage, twentieth in blitz percentage. So they don't need to blitz, and they get home. Thirteenth in pass defense, second in run defense, sixth in points allowed per game, third in third down percentage, ninth in fourth down percentage get this Robert first and red zone percentage. So when they get teams, get in the red zone, they allow the least amount of touchdowns of all teams in the NFL. Fourteenth. Fa- go ahead. Does the Falcons
0: offense turn the ball over a
1: lot? I don't have that stat. I'll, I can look at it. While go we, while we no. go gut field. go
0: gut field. Don't you don't, have, this is your moment to enter the, nobody's going to fact check you zone.
1: I gotcha. Yeah. I, I, Well, I'm curious. Now you got me curious. So I'll I'll look it up.
0: The main reason I want to know is because when I looked up the Falcons defensive DVOA, because I was right there on the Falcons defense is good train. This could actually be more of a, I, I basically saw this as the Browns defense is so hurt that I expected the Bears offense to have a pretty good day and get a whole lot of credit for doing so. Despite the fact that like you and I had talked about on this show, the Browns defense was not actually in a great shape going into that weekend against the bears. But then two weeks later, everybody would miss the fact that the Falcons defense has been really good this season. And they would say, how are we not moving the ball against the Falcons? If that's what it came Mm. down to despite, you get what I'm saying? Where it's like they would get extra credit for playing good against a not as great defense and then they would get a bunch of extra hate for playing not great against a really good defense but then their defensive dvoa was like 22nd
1: last i saw and they they don't take the ball away so i mean to that credit they are tied for the fourth least amount of um turnovers but that's like six teams in there which arizona is one of them wouldn't surprise
0: it wouldn't surprise me then if the falcons turnovers cuz i know there's enough of those in there have basically played against the falcons defense and pff's not going to pun- penalize a defense for giving up a touchdown just because the ball got spotted at the you know 15 yard line and you made a couple poor plays and the ball leaked into the end zone pff is going to ding you much harder for a full 80 yard drive where you make five major mistakes and then allow a touchdown on the sixth play but so Just thinking out loud, Nick, it is funny where you could argue that this defense has been maybe a little underperforming in terms of they are playing this well. Underproducing is what I'm looking for, that they're playing better than their stats and records say that they are. But maybe Arthur Smith has a lot to answer for there.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, maybe. And then I looked up because I was curious because you're talking through like how many turnovers the offense gives up they're tied for the 12th the most turnovers. So, but that's again still like middle of the roadish. So, What's I don't think it's enough for like
0: Yeah, There's i mean, to look up.
1: Yeah. I don't know. It's it's it's, it's kind of in there. But anyway, so defense is better than I anticipated, mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, I already talked about the, their offensive line is a strength. Um going through uh their offense. Taylor Heineke, I guess he's going to be starting this week. <laughs> 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 he's, but he's again limited with an ankle. How about that? He's on the injury report, um, and then you have. We talked about Bijan Robinson, right? I mean, everyone knows Bijan Robinson. You play fantasy, you know Bijan. He's the thirty second PFF running back this year. Robert Tyler Algier, the other running back, everyone gets mad at gets carries is ranked sixth. You're kidding? No. I guess that can't be that surprising, can it? Like
0: rookie running back doesn't take league by storm. He is a rookie, after right? all.
1: But right, yeah, and then uh, we talked about tight ends. Kyle Pitts. He's, I mean, if you're if you're new to Kyle Pitts, athletic freak, um <laughs> basically could be a split out wide receiver. Think of like Mike Evans type. He can block some. He's just not great at it. He's 16th best PFF tight end. They like to go two tight end sets. Janu Smith. Uh, they like to use him as well. They traded for him. He's 34th ranked. And then the receivers, Drake London. I like him a ton. 18th. Uh, big physical guy like they have these big physical guys but they don't have any burners like the other guys are Mac Hollins um, and Darrell Hodge and they're ranked 66th and 68th now again I say that that's nothing and that would easily be either of them would easily be the second best in Chicago but um, they're saying where they're at and then Taylor Heineke he's starting his PFF grade Robert 64.3 which we know is the low average
0: quite bad For quarterbacks, because I think quarterbacks are in like quarterbacks seem like they get some of the friendliest grades that I've seen on the site. Like at tackle, you're all right. If you have a 60 (laughs) at quarterback, if you have a 60, you're awful. (laughs) So it is funny seeing you got to make sure you're relative with the way that those things go.
1: Yeah, but I mean, that's that range. I give to give you credit, Robert. That range is below Josh Dobbs. Jimmy Garoppolo. Oh boy. Uh, Will Levis, Ties, Sam Howell, who just got benched, better than Kyler Murray, Daniel Jones, Aiden O'Connell, Tommy DeVito, Gardner Minshew. So is it better than the Ritter
0: range. or are they benching the better player?
1: R- Ritter is mm-hmm. 50.9. Oh my gosh.
0: I thought he'd been terrible. It's like over the little yeah. stuff that I'd seen, I was like, no, it's been bad. Like, why do people keep telling me he's been good? Yeah. But and, it, and
1: people that want to know where Fields is, as a reference, he's 72.5.
0: Exactly. And his passing grade is the problem, so to speak. But it it all goes back to the same thing you and I have talked about. I'm gonna give my little one-liner, I guess, where it's like, Fields is a super athlete. And the real reason we're having this conversation, at least the main reason we're having this conversation, is because of A, the disappointment surrounding the season means that we just get mad at all of our players. Like, if we're winning more, Nick, we ask less questions, right? We just Mm -hmm. ride with more of it. But also, the number one pick kind of just got gifted to us. I mean, I don't know how you reacted. I really don't. But what an unbelievable Patriots game that happened on my way back from Houston visiting family. I thought they were
1: going to blow it, man. Oh, oh my gosh,
0: Nick. Like in the middle of Christmas, I I thought they were gonna blow it too. I, then they did blow it, and then Bailey Zeppi leads a game winning drive, and Chad Ryland, who can't hit the broadside of a barn off the tee, like drills the longest kick of his career. Football's great, don't we
1: love it? And what uh, well, that 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 was a win. And who was the other win that was? Oh no, that was it. Carolina made it close. That's what what we were thinking of. Never Carolina, mind. I think it's so funny by the way. So,
0: this let's bake in our draft piece as we talk about this Atlanta thing. Well,
1: can, can I can I take I I have the offense rankings too. Yes. I'll I'll do that quick. So, Atlanta's offense y'all, they're ranked 23rd overall. And again, I'm not using DVOA. I'm using expected points added. That's right. where my rankings come from. So, 23rd there, 21st passing, 24th rushing. That is Shocking, Robert. You have yep. Bijan, Algier, you have this great line, and you're the 24th best rushing team.
0: Nate, uh, I think it was Robert Mays said it perfectly, where it's like the way the Falcons thought that they were going to play football this year has not worked. And they're going to need an offseason to redraw a new battle plan because they what they are trying to do, like you're illustrating, Nick, is just not efficient enough to work. And That's shocking. it's kind of left them doing nothing yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, in a lot of cause, cases.
1: Because last year, y'all, they, they ran the ball so well in their, their zone rushing scheme. They were the highest play action team in the NFL. I think it was like almost like 55% of their pass plays were play action, which mm-hmm. generated good offense because if you run it so well, the linebackers are going to bite up and you have these holes behind them. But it's not working this year, which is shocking. So 24th rushing, 24th in points per game, which also is not good. 13th and third down percentage, 21st and fourth down percentage, 26th and red zone percentage of converting trips into touchdowns, which is bad. 23rd and starting field position and 26th in points per drive, which is worse than points per game just tells you they have more drives. So they're, they have more drives than the average team and they're scoring a little bit more, which is not great. That's not great at all
0: when you and then to add one more piece of this before we really start breaking this down then we'll talk a little bit about draft stuff i think that makes sense if, if for those of you who can't tell we didn't do a show sheet this time we're just free reeling it uh so thank you for listening but so anyways um what also makes this interesting nick is that you could argue that the falcons probably want this game more now i bet they the bears would argue like we just talked about hey we're not out of this playoff race i don't know what you're talking about like we're going to give this thing our all because we need this game Well, the Falcons, should the Saints beat the Buccaneers, are well in the race for the division. And Mm -hmm. at that point, you're competing for the four seed. Not only that, but with sudden speculation about Arthur Smith's job. I guess, you know what? The more I talk about this, this game is pretty much even for both squads, isn't it? Where it's like both quarterbacks are pretty much playing for their future. And the team's front office, down to their coaching, are playing for their future with Opportunity that is out of their control, but they it's not gonna happen if they lose this week, right? Mm. Let me put it this way Yes or no, this is an eliminator week for both teams. It's not it is a it it's like you can't make it this week, but you can break it, which is some of the most scary games you can play, right? Where
1: it's like Well, think of this Chicago wins this game even convincingly, then we have hope going into Green Bay and could just get crushed. Mm-hmm. Or you lose this game, and then it's like, oh, man, another Packers game. We have to go the whole offseason about how that, you know, like, it's bad either way.
0: So they lose this game. Let's let's spin down that thread a little because I don't t- imagine this will take too long and we won't get too distracted. They, they lose this game worse. They lose it in some – they either blow a fourth quarter lead or they're never in it, right? Some way that is disturbing to you, Nick, where you end up disgusted. And then – they eke out a Packers victory off of an objectively bad Jordan love performance.
1: Did the, the Jakeem grant game again?
0: Right. Basically that that's kind of what I'm saying, right? Your bird
1: long. Yeah. They, okay. they
0: just get some quality performances at the right times. Joe Barry like has his, you know, final straw, fireable defensive moment. And I mean, he's, he's having it, man. I know he is. And then Jordan love plays poorly uh, to end the season and the bears beat the Packers. Is Flus back because you beat the Packers but lost the Falcons? Yes. You think it's so? I
1: hate Green Bay. I hate Green Bay so much. Well, you have momentum. We talked about this. You'd won. You win one I'm game.
0: The- you win one game. <laughs> we go from win out to lose. Win lose win, and we're
1: in. You'd win five of your last eight, <laughs> and you beat Green Bay.
0: I think I'd be pretty frustrated, Nick.
1: I, Robert. <laughs> oh, new, new offensive coordinator though. How about that? Sure, but like for what
0: right like so so now you bring in a new offensive coordinator what if that's not enough like what if now you bring in a new offensive coordinator you bring in marvin harrison jr you bring in a brand new center you get all of these things together and now you're still the 15th best offense in football better improvement but not good and, and not n- n- especially not for the resources that you spent to get there so I, so then what happens okay here's
1: okay I understand we want the moon. Right? We do want the moon. We want the top three offense, and we want the Hall of Fame quarterback. We want. want we have want to top, just to get the average at some point.
0: I want a top 10 offense. Like, that's it. Top third. Top third of the league. I will settle for top 12, Nick. How, how do you get it? In my opinion, I think that – So, Can we save that for the offseason? Cause we're in the middle well, of it. We're getting
1: into it right now. That's why I'm like, all right, well then you right, tell me, cause right. I, I have a different theory than you have. I think. So
0: I think that there's a couple ways to do it. I think there's a lot of ways to go about it. Right. But it starts to me with what you think of the evaluation that you get from the quarterbacks up top. For those who don't know, for those who aren't terminally online and haven't put the pieces together, when the Patriots beat the Broncos, they basically set up a scenario where the magic number for the bears to clinch the number one overall pick is one. That's one Carolina Panthers loss or one Arizona Cardinals win. And the number one pick is in Chicago no matter what happens the rest of the way. The Carolina Panthers would have to win out to put a top two pick in jeopardy. But Nick, there's serious questions about whether they could do it. Because if they win out, they will be intrinsically lowering their strength of schedule. If the Washington Commanders, currently in, I think it's fourth, lose out, then they're going to raise their strength of schedule. There is a chance that the Carolina Panthers winning two games still doesn't drop them out of a number two pick, or like a top two pick, which is pretty wild when you when you really think about it. Now, I think that Justin Fields is unorthodox. I think Justin Fields is a super athlete. I think that there are some things, a lot of things that Justin Fields can do that nobody else can do. I, I can't help thinking, Nick, that, Justin Fields has now been inharmonious with two coaches, and and I am nervous about okay, but is the third one going to be any different? Maybe mm-hmm. this is just bad circumstances. I mean, it has been bad circumstances. It's objectively been bad circumstances, and the weapons could be a lot better, right? But
1: I, I, I think mean, I'm just That's an understatement, Robert. Like, holy buckets, man. Like we we can't even have a wide receiver opposite DJ Moore that has a pulse. That's basically where it's at. Is that, kind of that because, week, is that because? Is that because?
0: Is that because we're painting Darnell Mooney into being something he isn't? Like Marvin Harrison Jr. is ob- subjectively better than Darnell Mooney for sure. But if you put Jacoby Myers in the Bears' offense, would you expect it to be better? Yes, I think that they're equi- I think that they're very equitable players.
1: Not even very else.
0: equitable players. Like, in fact, you're talking about a UD- a former UDFA, and a fifth round pick. You're talking about a former UDFA that never had the production that Darnell Mooney had until justin fields came along and darnell mooney's production then derailed because kobe J- had-
1: myers has been a pff top 50 player each of the last four years what was darnell mooney two years ago it's like, and actually he was top 33 each of the last three years this year he dipped down to 46 that's his low it's a good player it's a good player yeah. right there darnell mooney
0: more than – it's less about
1: – Darnham he has been 70th, 33rd, 48th, and now 104th.
0: So that's top 50 in sophomore year and second season. Two, and then yep. this last season, obviously, it's not gone to plan. But mm-hmm. it's more to say, Nick, that I, I do wonder if we're villainizing the second receiver and that if we had a – Terry McLaurin's type receiver, and he took a step back because just Fields was going to force everything to DJ more one way or another, that we would then just say, oh, well, you know, Terry McLaurin's just fallen off. Like, Terry's not the guy that he was, right? But that's all conjecture. More than anything, Nick, I think I'm just scared. You asked what? me, what would I do to fix the offense? Right. Uh, part of me wants to make a change at quarterback just to make a change. And, and I'm right. not afraid to say that because not. stagnancy freaks me out.
1: You know I- what I'm I mean? I'm not even going to talk about quarterback. I don't gotcha. care. Who, I don't care what they pick, Robert. If if you look at the best teams in the NFL, okay, Baltimore is Baltimore. I think personally, because that defense is unbelievably good.
0: Unbelievably good.
1: They they have made Detroit. And then who did they just embarrass? Who else?
0: Sam Fran. Oh, they the undressed Ryaners. Brock Purdy.
1: They, they've, made, they've made two of the best offenses look not even like playable, right? So like I think that's why they're succeeding, but let's look at the rest of them. So that's 12 win teams. Miami, Philly, 49ers and Detroit. Yes. Detroit's the one you could say maybe. All of them are loaded with weapons. Yes. Then you look at Buffalo, Kansas City, uh well, Herbert before he got injured, the three best quarterbacks in the NFL, the other three maybe, right? Mm-hmm. Struggling because they don't have enough weapons. All yes. I am asking for is a better O line. Right now, PFF has Chicago, I think, 16th ranked overall on this season. And the but hope, that, the hope,
0: would be there. Just, just so you and I are both talking about it, yep. that you take that 16th offensive line, which is four players playing with their hands, like their hand holding a center that isn't there, yes. right? Like uh, envision when, um, oh gosh, I don't know if you actually did this, right? But envision any Madden drill where they've got like a, cor- or a trash can in place of the offensive line. Like that's basically oh, what- I do that drill do. in practice all the time, Robert. There you go. Then yep. that's what- Justin's kind of working with in real life, not quite, but kind of. <laughs> I'm
1: gonna tell you a real story, okay? I'm not gonna yep. name names, okay? Mm-hmm. I was a coordinator, and we I had a center that was not good, not good. I'm ready for those? And so to run the ball up the middle was not going to be good. But I I had an athletic quarterback, so I ran quarterback draw all the time, designed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the design was we knew that the penetration was going to come on one side of the center. So he just took a drop. He's like, all right, which side are they going to come from? he's ran the other way. Nice. So like it worked. The penetration worked somehow. Like, and that's a good that, example that, of coaching around
0: like a problem. But, right, so, but
1: that's like the same thing you're talking about, basically. Right.
0: My hope would be, Nick, that the Bears, because you, you asked what's the path, right? Well, first well, hold of all, on. i
1: got to finish my thought, though, with oh, it. Go for it. So O-line was one, right? We have to improve the O-line somewhat. We need but, better receivers. But we have to have weapons. I don't care if it's Brock Bowers, Malik Neighbors. Right. Mar- people are obsessed with Marvin Harrison Jr., which, y'all, I get. He's great. Malik Neighbors is really good too. Rowan Duzier is good. Mm-hmm. I like Tez Walker from North Carolina too. Like, there's a lot of good receivers. I, when you look at this, people think of like this is the blueprint elite quarterback, and then everything else is just magical, you know, fairy dust, and things are going to be fantastic. No, the magic potion right now in the NFL, if you look, Because Mahomes isn't making it work. Josh Allen's having his struggles. Justin Herbert's having his struggles. The magic potion right now, or formula, is you get great weapons, and that elevates everyone else. It elevated Tua. It elevated Brock Purdy. It elevated Jared Goff. It elevated Jalen Hurts and got him paid. We need to elevate. And I don't care if it's Caleb or or Fields. We have to get better weapons, and then the offense takes off.
0: Now, the good news is uh, the Bills are on fire. So that one's – it's not a feather out of your cap. It's both, right? Because you need your Stefan Diggs. The idea is that that's DJ Moore. When he when he's healthy, DJ might be better than what Stefan is right now.
1: Well, but yeah, Diggs isn't doing it right now.
0: But the main thing that I look at, Nick, you asked about this Bears team, and gosh, we're so close to the off season. You could just feel us both wanting to talk about this, right? Because they've mm-hmm. got a game coming up against the Falcons. In short, In a short little nutshell, Nick, I would tell you that I have no idea what's going to happen. I mean, I could see, I, I can't help but see this is a pretty even matchup, actually, where it's a defense that's underrated, but playing pretty well lately, going up against an offense with flaws, especially this Bears one, because, like, man, Nick, Cole Kmet didn't practice. Like, he ended up doubtful going back to that last game. So if you've got, let's say Cole plays, but he doesn't have the juice that we've seen from him lately, okay. So you have half speed Cole commit and you have half speed DJ Moore. Great. What are we doing now? <laughs> like at
1: this or, point. Do you want me to go through the injury report?
0: Uh, sure.
1: Yeah. Uh okay, so Chicago, Deontay Foreman, personal, he's a full participant. So that's good news with whatever he's dealing with. Uh, we're we're with him on that one. Uh, Tevin Jenkins thinks he's gonna get cleared today, which is good news. He was a full participant. Uh, you said. Cole Komet did not practice. Mm-hmm. Darnell Mooney didn't practice. That was the concussion. Another one. And again, like, is this a, a downgrade or not? Lucas Patrick did not practice with a knee. Now, if you get Tevin back, then you got to move Cody or someone else at center, maybe. That's where we're at. Uh, Noah Sewell, full participant. The St. Brown, full participant. So that, that's Chicago's side. Right. Um, Atlanta had Calais Campbell dmp and cordell patterson dmp but they're both labeled as rest which i would get they're both vets and then they have uh i don't know just a few guys that are limited chris lindstrom really good obviously best guard limited david amyamada the good d lineman he was limited with an ankle drew mm-hmm. dalman good ankle jake matthews ankle caleb mcgarry ankle basically their whole line <laughs> ankle ankle's um, all over the place man And then Heineke with ankle too. So like nothing that was huge that's out. (laughs) But I think, I mean, when you look at that, I would say Chicago is a little bit more beat up than Atlanta right now.
0: At least in the core areas, right? And so with Atlanta, I can't help but think that this is going to come down to, okay, so it's the same story for both teams. Is this fair? Where it's like, I I know you and I normally talk more matchups, but let's be high level because I'm fine just letting this ride unless you want to talk very, very low level. This is two teams who running the ball has been their safety net, right? They don't really know what they are in the passing game. Atlanta, because they keep changing quarterbacks, and Justin Fields and the Bears, because they kind of keep changing identities in their passing game, and then they scrap it and they start over, and it's, it's messy, right? But so you've got two pass defenses that are pretty good, <laughs> like going up against two offensive lines that can handle it, but do they have the weapons or the scheme to punch through two defenses that should kind of be tuned up to take away what they want to be good at. Also are the coaching, are the coaching staffs going to be willing to pull away from the run game? Because look, I don't want to say anything as if it's certain man, but The more teams I keep seeing roll up into Chicago and try to run the ball on the Bears, the more I'm like, you are burning downs, guys. Like, you are lighting downs on fire. It didn't work, work for Washington, but they had the right idea of, like, why are we running the ball? We should not run the ball against these Mm -hmm. Bears. And so I'm curious to see or to hear what you think, Nick, when I look at this Atlanta matchup. I mean, I don't want to distill it down to rolling a ball on the field and saying who wants it more. But it really does feel as if these two staffs are basically going to both make their final stand in Chicago. I have the I would give Chicago the edge. But this feels like one of the more toss up games that we've seen in a while.
1: Oh, 100 percent, because also when you factor in. So Chicago, you all in terms of like, you know, we we give out like rankings and stuff like that. To, to put it in easy terms, Chicago has one less rush attempt than Atlanta on the season, but they have two hundred, almost two hundred more yards. Like mm-hmm. that's that's a pretty solid differential. Just but when been you look at there too, like right and you know and Fields helps with some of that right. Mm-hmm. Then you look at um, both good rush defenses, and it's like, well, if Atlanta's going to struggle run the ball, and we looked at what their defenders were on the inside, the the thing I fear, Robert, and I agree with you, I think it's a pretty even matchup is Chicago is going to be doing that toss-crack and outside-run game because that's where they're the weakest, and I agree with them. But I I have a little fear with that. You know, it worked a little bit last week. Um, I see that happening quite a bit. But again, if we don't have anyone to throw to, which that's where Atlanta is more vulnerable, even though they're pretty good defense, and we don't have anyone to throw to, it could just be another game of we run, we run outside just to be a superhero, Hope the defense holds them, gets some turnovers, sets us up in good position for us to win.
0: Another thing that doesn't help is that this is the first time in a while. I mean, I guess you could say the Browns game kind of applies for this, right? But this is the first time in a while where I think that A.J. Terrell, who you said he's not on the injury report, right? Nope. So that doesn't mean anything. It's week 16 or it's week 17 of the NFL season. Everybody's hurt. Right. It's just a matter of whether you're hurt enough to be on the injury report. Right. But I would think that based on what we saw against Arizona, if DJ Moore looks even remotely similar to the to the guy that we saw there, AJ Terrell can probably take him away. Now, that's not me trying to say DJ Moore is bad. You guys know I love DJ Moore. It's more to say that this ankle is really hurting him. Because he's never been the world's most sudden route runner. He basically blows by people off of sheer strength and speed. And the ankle is taking a lot of that juice away. So if you take a step or two out of DJ's game, I don't want to say he's just a guy, but he's the hurt version of DJ Moore. You know what I mean, Nick? So then where else are we going to throw well, if we throw to the tight end, we're going to be inviting Jesse Bates, who's been one of the best players in football, to yep. come make a play. So who does that leave us with? Well, you said it. It's Donald Mooney, if he plays, uh, DJ, er, like Tyler Scott and Bayless Jones. This is where Chase Claypool, man, had he been any good, would have been so helpful. Or, or Robert way, Tunyon. Or Robert Tunyon for games exactly like this. Like they're just a weapon short. Justin, mm-hmm. Caleb, Drake doesn't matter. Kirk cousins.
1: Like, I, I, I will say this though. If Justin Fields doesn't run for 80 yards in this game or more, I'll be shocked.
0: I mean, I kind of think you have to push that way. If you're the bears offense, you have to break some seams open with Justin's like with Justin's feet. And like you're saying, maybe you do that through slightly unorthodox ways where you call really extended quarterback draws that are just everybody run down the field and then fields, I want you to run when you see everybody turn around. Uh, Now, it would sure help if I knew what Atlanta did on defense. That's on me, guys. Not enough prep. But it it can't help looking at this and thinking, Nick, it's going to be a grind to get some points, but the good news that the Bears have going for them is it's going to be a grind for Atlanta to get points too. So you just, both sides are going to have to trust their defense. I don't want Justin, I'll I'll say this. This is sort of my hot take, and let me throw it at you and you tell me. I don't want Justin to play protect the ball. I, I am, I don't like watching it, right? There are seams out there. Rip them. Throw the Herbert interception. If you threw three of them because we were trying to throw it, then at least we tried. Like, there's a play that, that came earlier in the game, I remember, where Fields let a ball go, left it a little inside to DJ Moore. Uh, you may remember this one, where it was a curl route that then DJ wheeled back up the sidelines, and Justin left the ball a little too far inside. But the mechanical mistake, gosh, I will take that 100 times over, 100 times over again, over passing on a throw and not even attempting it. Because you do miss 100% of the passes that you don't attempt, especially when they result in a sack. But so I'm interested to see what happens. Interior pressure has been hell on Justin, and it, it'll be a matter of whether the tackles can kick out the edge and take away contain. But if Atlanta can get interior pressure, Nick, and then keep contain, this is going to test Justin in a way a lot of other defenses haven't been able to try. So I'm interested to see what happens on Sunday.
1: All right, I got I got just something a fun little to add on to my anecdote of. Justin Fields running for a lot of yards this game. Mm-hmm. So, so these two guys that we don't know, I just looked up cause I had to know, right. These two linebackers, right. Caden Ellis and Nate Landman. Okay. So the, here's the research y'all. I just did while Robert was chatting. So Nate or sorry, Caden Ellis is a seventh round, 244th overall pick in 2019. He runs a four, seven, one, uh, and he went to Idaho. All right.
0: You know those good linebackers come out of Idaho.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I always think of um, Jared Allen. Was he Idaho? Was he t- Idaho? <laughs> Jared, Jared Allen was someone somewhere over there. And then, so Nate Landman is a UDFA signed after the 2022 draft. Initially made the camp, then was released in December. And they brought him back, and now he's starter. He runs a 4.86. He runs a four eight six. This other guy runs a four. What was it four seven one? Okay, yeah, four seven one. Justin Fields, I think, can break into the four threes. Let's just say four four because that's what he timed out at, right? That's a significant difference. So if Justin has to play, run around, hero ball, these guys aren't going to catch him. So this so is like, this is lean into it. This is the practice
0: field, right? This is like your scout team is uh, T.J. Edwards and Jack Samford, <laughs> like.
1: Exactly. Yep. Yep. And I, I love TJ Edwards, but he's not the. Well, we saw last year against Philly, right? He made TJ Edwards not look like he could tackle him either. So well, yeah, if Fields has this aggressive mindset where he's like, I got to run to win these games. And we know this is maybe the path. And they'll have some designed runs for him. I mean, I think that's going to, it's going to be a low scoring game. Do you want me to go predictions first? Uh, I do want to talk about one more matchup. Because
0: oh, w- you and I both have a heart for offense. I love offense. You love offense. Oh, yeah. We want to talk about okay. the offense all the time. We didn't talk about the defense. Uh, the defense is going to have some good matchups and some bad matchups. If The, Be- er, the Bears are actually pretty well equipped to handle Drake London. Now, nobody can handle Drake London when Drake's on his game. The guy mm-hmm. is a modern-day Mike Evans. For those who need a very quick descriptor of Drake London, he plays like he's bigger than you, and he is. And so he will just throw you off. But – Tyreek Stevenson, too physical for his own good at times. This is the kind of matchup you have him for. And Jalen Johnson, who's outrageously physical, an outstanding football player. This is the kind of matchup you have him for. You mentioned the running game that that the Falcons can't really keep going. A guy like Brisker, who is a downhill thumper, this applies here. Kyle Pitts is probably the biggest problem I envision the Bears having to solve, because obviously, like, Kyler Gordon's not going to match up super well on Pitts, right? But Tremaine Edmonds is as good a matchup as you're going to find to take away a big, fast, tight end. I like a lot of the Bears' matchups, but there's one matchup I like the most, and that's Caleb McGarry, who's known for having these tiny little T-Rex arms, up against Montez Sweat. Who yeah. is long enough to reach around the world and shake his own hand at the other side. Like, as all jokes aside, Nick, this is exactly the kind of matchup that if I was if I was McGarry, I dread. In the oh, run yeah. game, you can work with this, but I bet you the Bears are gonna play Montez in a wide nine so that McGarry has to come to him. And he can basically stick his arms out and reestablish. But this is a first contact nightmare. And if I'm going entirely off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure Montez has a full three inches in the first contact battle. And if you just want to if every Bears fan out there wants to either break out a ruler or like hold your fingers up and try to guess, that's a long way <laughs> in the world of playing defensive and offensive. lineman. man? You're all- I'm gonna
1: look it up as as you're talking here.
0: <laughs> so then I'll I'll stall for you, but it's all to say that the Bears may be able to control the edges in the run game through what Montez is going to be able to offer, and God forbid he creates some passing pressure because neither Heineke nor Ritter have been good. One's just been better than the other on any given week, and this Bears defense is putting putting quarterbacks in pressure cookers. I mean, last week was the first week in what four that they didn't pick off the opposing quarterback at least three times. Like oh, they didn't get any turnovers, right? No. Yeah. And they still pounded the Cardinals all nope. the, like in the wide world of fairness. So you could end up with a D a game. I, I, Hey, I predicted this last time and I predicted it. Right. So who knows? Maybe I'm smarter than I so, think sometimes. So
1: let's get back to the arm length yeah. here because this is, this is fun. So um Montez sweats arm length. Again, I'm going to start with percentile cause it's more fun that way. Mm-hmm. So his percentile and arm length is 97th percentile, mm-hmm. and wingspan is 97th percentile. Caleb mm-hmm. McGarry, arm length percentile is 10th, mm-hmm. and wingspan is 13th. Mm-hmm. So it is three inches. It's actually just under three inches. Oh my gosh. But again, the other part too, Robert, is when you when you long arm somebody, mm-hmm. it's different versus you just engaging with both of your arms. So when you long arm, it, you actually get more inches too. He literally could put his arm and touch McGarry, and McGarry can't even touch his his shoulder or the playground bully thing. Yeah. I mean, in real life, (laughs)
0: it's going to be a huge
1: issue. So one thing that, so I agree with you there. Um, I do have one gripe off of the film. You know, there's a lot of defensive guys. We could be happy with this last game. Tremaine Edmonds. He, someone catches the ball and he just freezes and waits for them to come to him. Yes. You're an athlete. He go. There's so many plays. He could be, tackling guys a couple yards behind the first down a couple yards shorter and he just hesitates it's like dude just go at him and like even the 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 long touchdown Dorch had, which by the way I was a huge Greg Dorch fan out of Wake Forest (laughs) and he made that play and I was like man I knew that guy can make that kind of play I was not mad at Tyreek Stevenson because he did his job his job was to make the guy go back inside to his 10 buddies Mm -hmm. the issue was Eddie Jackson not finishing that play but if we if I turn my attention, I do need to talk a little bit about Taylor Heineke because that's going to be the quarterback potentially starting for them. Do it. And just a journeyman guy. He's the guy actually I've rooted for. He's 30 years old. He's from Old Dominion. And he started out with Houston, Carolina, Washington. If people remember, he had that little run with Washington. And then they let him go, went with Sam Howell. This year, he has played in four games. He has not thrown multiple touchdowns in any game, Robert. And in fact, he only has one game above a 57.1 completion percentage. Uh My guess it's going to be some pretty ugly ball from Taylor Heineke. He's going to be taking some sacks. He's probably going to be throwing a lot of incompletions facing a pretty good defense. I, I, I see a low scoring game here over. I'll give you my prediction. I'll just start with that. I see this as a low scoring game. Because I think if we don't, especially if DJ Moore's at, you know, human level, we'll call it human level instead of superhuman mm-hmm. level. If he's a human level and we don't know what Cole Comet can do, I think that this game is literally going to be 14 or 17-14. And I think Chicago's going to win, but I think it's going to be a goal game.
0: You and I are going to be pretty different on this for no other reason than I keep looking at these Falcon scores and all of the Falcon scores seem like they're ending right around the 20s I mean last week or two weeks ago 29 25 against the Buccaneers the week before that 1524 24 in the Falcons favor the week before that uh Falcons Cardinals 23 25 Vikings Falcons 3128 you get the Falcons Jets game in there that's 13 to eight right and then you get the Falcons Panthers game that's seven to nine so I understand that these scores are a little all over the place but I got this thing at 25-22 Chicago, uh, and I don't really have great reasons why, other than Justin Fields is one of those quarterbacks that I keep going, look, he's struggling, and then he does an athletic thing that puts seven points on the board. Like, Justin's legs, for as much as people would go after him, including me, Nick, this is me admitting a bias, mm-hmm. Justin's, Justin's legs constantly count for almost a full touchdown, which oh, yeah. is a ton. In the well, wide world of football. How
1: about this? I'm going to put this out there and maybe make you come back in the prediction a little bit. Only one game in the last five for Atlanta have they allowed an opponent to score more than 15 points. And that was Tampa Bay.
0: What? What? Wait. So then how did. Oh, you're right. Okay. You know what? Oh.
1: They, they, they allowed 10 points to the Colts last week and won. They allowed nine to Carolina and lost. That was oh. that game, y'all. Oh, so they allowed 29 saying- to Tampa. They allowed eight to the Jets and one. They allowed 15 to the Saints and one. So
0: you're saying that the Atlanta defense might be hot at the right time. Okay. I see. I see. All right. You know what? Maybe I will roll it back a little bit just for the sake of let's I like your, I like your prediction. This so all pretty much match it at like 17 to 14, Uh, except maybe I'll make it just a little uglier where somehow we're going to wind up with one of those like 19 to 17 games. But honestly, man, you could tell me that I told you the Bears are going to win. You could tell me I told you the Falcons were going to win. I will pick the Bears because I have to have something for the official pick. But yep. I, I don't feel great about this one. It's no,
1: I, I don't. Need, I think I think both teams are pretty ugly and both teams need it. I don't know. If, I don't know if either team can can win very well right now.
0: The story is fun. Just because this, like, as an, an objective football fan, this it may be an ugly game, but man, there's no magic like an even game, and it yeah. should be pretty even. But this could I also mean, like, be, the... yeah. Go ahead. I, well, I, I I cannot think that this is the kind of game that could get away from either team very fast.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like people talk about Chicago's hot; they won four of six. Atlanta's won three of five. I mean, like, like it's it it's either way, y'all. So yeah, it could be. I think one of like literally. 80 things could happen in this game and it's not like it's not like you know well anything can happen i think Atlanta could blow chicago out chicago could blow atlanta out and it could be ugly my gut tells me it's just gonna be this ugly game
0: i i can't wait now i got two minutes before i gotta help my wife put my son down so let's wrap up here nick what you got going on the rest of this week So I'm off
1: this week. So that's been, you know, kind of nice, you know, being in a school and stuff. So I'll be, I'll be putting my article out. Um, Y'all, I didn't have a good DFS week last week.
0: We don't talk about those.
1: But the process, Robert, we talk about the process a lot, right? I I always, I always get my things in there. I had the two guys outlined and I didn't go with them. So I need to, I just self-reflection. I need to go with my gut in my process and dfs would have been better last week so i got that going but also man like holidays i'm just enjoying time i'm starting you know wedding playing seeing friends seeing Ooh. family doing all lot kind of stuff uh everyone out there y'all again i know we just had the christmas but you got new year's coming up be safe okay we want to be able to cheer for more bears games moving forward we want anyone getting uh getting injured or making any bad decisions driving
0: yep I am going to basically just be taking care of family over the next couple of days, which is, just, you know, so, so fun. Right. But yeah. it's it's what you got to do uh, on the other side of things. Look for an article every day from DBB. Uh, this week's kind of messy. So I left it messy. And at that point, we'll move on. We'll re-rack things starting next week. I can't help but think, Nick, that. So let's see the Atlanta games at noon. And is the Jacksonville Carolina game.
1: That is, I was just going to mention that we're big Jaguars fans this week,
0: big Jaguars fans. Uh, it, it's so funny because I will say this, Nick, to just quickly close up. I have, I have gotten real direct messages. Kyle, I'm shouting you out on the podcast about how worried some people are about the Carolina Panthers winning two in a row. Uh, quick point to make. They are a bad football team. Jacksonville needs this game more outright. I mean, I'm, I'm not just bears pilling you like people going to get fired if the Jacksonville Jaguars go from what were they eight and four to not making the playoffs like right. you can't collapse like that without consequences. And in the Jaguars case, there will likely be some kind of consequences. So CJ Beathard or Trevor Lawrence, I mean, not to mention the Carolina Panthers are bad away from Carolina and they are visiting Jacksonville in this case and,
1: and Robert they've won two games out of 15 all season. Mm-hmm. And we think that they're going to win the last two games as right. well. Like the, the, just the math of it is like, eh, probably not.
0: It's not as simple as saying that the Carolina Panthers have truly locked this thing up for Chicago. That's not fair. Right. But Adam Thielen, uh, or not, it wasn't Thielen. I think it was a K. Kwanu didn't practice. JC Horn didn't practice. Like the Panthers are hurt. They're going up against a team where Josh Allen is going to feast <laughs> inside of uh or like inside of whatever the, I don't know what their stadium's called. So Splash Town is what I'm gonna call it. Anyways, um, no,
1: actually, you're right. Adam Thielen didn't practice. They, I just looked it up. They have five guys that are D. Oh, sorry, they have seven guys that are DMPs.
0: Mm-hmm. Thielen didn't practice for rest though. Well. So oh, that's
1: right. Yeah,
0: that one I'm leaving off. But the other ones, those are big starters that didn't yep. practice. And Left so, tackle
1: best corner, another corner. Yep.
0: I, I just can't help but see that. Granted, I understand everybody's worry about Carolina up against uh, Tampa. That's still not an easy win for Tampa. They are still going to be at that point a three and 13 team. It like in the world where Tampa's backups play Carolina. I mean, we've seen this before, Nick. And the Bears backups smoked the Minnesota Vikings, like in 2018, rolling into the playoffs. I mean, it's not out of the question for the Bucs backups to beat Carolina anyways. But that's a conversation that we'll probably just have to wait and see on. The all eyes, all Chicago eyes, you should be watching the Bears game (laughs) because this thing is going to be wild. It's probably going to be cold. and. It could be season-defining. Nick, anything you want to say before we get out of here?
1: Go Bears. Go Jaguars. Go Vikings.
0: Go Bears. Go Jaguars. Go Vikings. FTP. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. Give us a five-star review on whatever listening platform that you're listening on. Thank you so much for making it to the end of the show. And until next time, folks, bear down. And thanks so much for bearing with us. bye everybody.